You were listening to episode 140 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and in 15 minutes or less, we can save you 50% in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. That was a reference in the game, that that particular reference. Uh, you know what? I don't know, but I figured I would make a reference and, uh, you know, geckos are geckos. So uh, yeah, we're not talking true. Geico. We're talking Gex the Gecko. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we're going to be entering the gecko this week on uh, Gex 64. And, dude, it was interesting for sure. A lot of interesting references from back in that day and age. Uh, but that being said, we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's go ahead and talk about as normal our uh, pickups and are currently playing. So as I said last week, I would be picking up a copy of Moss on the PlayStation 4. That finally came in the mail. And then I've got my eye currently on a couple of games on limited run games. There's like a multiplayer horror type game on there that caught my eye the other day. Um, and then there's also, uh, what is it? Uh, Ghouls Ate My Neighbors because Zombies Ate My Neighbors is on there as well. I think it's Ghouls. Uh, they have the physical copy for that. Uh, it's going to be getting released as well. So definitely a few things I'm interested in picking up, but you know, nothing in particular um, that I'm, that I've got right now as of today, other than Moss. And then as far as my currently playing dude, Ori um, is just amazing. Absolutely love it. It is one of the best platformers I played in some time. Uh, so I'm super excited about it to keep playing it. My wife and I are definitely enjoying it. And um, we'll kind of see where that takes us. I think the next game after we beat Ori, which we're at about 25% right now in that game. So the next game I think we're playing is likely Tomb Raider, but it's her choice on game. So because we kind of flip flop, I'll play, I'll pick the one game that we play together. And then after we beat it, she picks the next one. So it's her choice. And I'm thinking she's going to say Tomb Raider, but I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. And... Uh, I played a little bit of Apex Legends this week. Um, so Justin and I actually hopped on and we were playing the new game mode arena, which I hadn't played yet. Dude, it's so badass. It's like 3v3 and it's a best two out of three rounds. And then like, say, for example, um, and you have to win two in a row when after like, so say, for example, you win the first one, you win the second one, then you win the third one, you win, right? But if you and your opponent continue splitting like, one one two two you have to win two in a row to to go past that until it hits six rounds and on the seventh round is a sudden death so it's in a sense kind of like you know the nba or like baseball right like you have to win x amount of games out of seven in this case it's kind of weird how they stagger it but end of the day dude a lot of fun um you get to actually uh, pick up currency to start out and you pick like different weapons based on the currency you have for a loadout and different types of abilities and items. And then you go 3v3 in like smaller, like straight and narrow levels uh, to try and kill each other off. And I had a blast, dude. Yeah, Super it, easy to it play. It sounds interesting. Yeah, it was definitely fun. I think it would actually bring you back into Apex for a little bit uh, because it's so quick and easy to play, dude. You don't have to dedicate a good like 20, 30 minutes for a match because some of those matches can get done in two minutes that's that's one of the things it's like i almost prefer something that's gonna have like a little bit more investment because it feels like i mean sometimes when you're playing apex like i do remember it would be like a grind where it's like okay 
I got to start all the way at the bottom and start running around the map and just try to survive the drop again and blah, blah, blah. Like that does get kind of redundant after a little while. Whereas this is a little different because this, because you're continually going against the same team, you drop in, right? And you start your loadout, you go and fight and you could change your loadout at any point. So you get what you want. And then say your team dies in like 10 seconds, you're back to the loadout and you're back to playing right away. Like there's no having to go back, pick your player, drop, find items, potentially get killed by an entire party, like right off the bat, like you're good to go. And you just keep playing and you play however many rounds. And when you finish, you start the next round. It was fun. You'll have to give it a shot for sure. Um, and then the next one uh, is Biomutant. I'm still playing that. Um, I wouldn't say it's gotten better, but I feel like I'm kind of nearing the end of the main quest uh, to complete the game. So, you know, most most of these games, like if you think about like Skyrim or if you thought or, you know, just Oblivion or even Fallout, right? You have the main quest, you have all the side quests, and then your main quest can kind of expand based on what you're trying to accomplish. But what I'm trying to do right now is just go through the main quest, beat it, and be done with it. So when I looked it up uh, on how long to beat, it was like 10 hours or 15 hours or something like that. God, I think it's actually 10 uh, for the entire main quest. And then like the entire game itself is like 50 or 60, I want to say. So I'm just kind of along the lines of, let me go ahead and beat the main quest and be done with it. And then gets put it aside and be like, all right, cool. Like I played the game, I beat it. I'm finished. Like that's it. And then I can move on to my next thing, which will most likely be God of war. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's all my stuff, dude. Um, no, it is the last little thing. What's that? You're missing something. What am I missing this week? Uh, so I got a delivery for John <laughs> for the weirdest looking game called green lava studios oh yeah that was an april fool's day a guy holding a giant jar of mayo on the front and for those that don't know john hates mayo yeah so uh that game in particular um i forget the the title of it it's like mr mayo or something like that one and two and you literally click the mayo jar and every time you click it different achievements happen and different things happen so like uh oh my name is mayo my name is Mayo Mr. One Massage. and Two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. See, I got them mixed up. But yeah, you can pretty much get Mr. Massage to Mayo Jar to strip. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, that was actually an April Fool's Day purchase for limited run games. It's like, well, I missed out on the the last one that they had. Uh, that was April Fool's. So let me pick this up, and uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. A part of me was afraid to tell John that it came because I was like, did I order him like? a present and forget about it because that would be like the perfect joke thing like if i saw that i would have totally bought it for you yeah i forgot i bought that <laughs> i seriously did and you're like i got a package i'm like uh let me check what i ordered oh yeah <laughs> like i was trying to uh, log into limited run and like i don't even have an account there i was like i couldn't have ordered this yeah i uh I'm not sure, to be honest, like why it even came to you because I changed all of my address stuff. In fact, that game in particular, I had already moved like I had my address in place. So there would be no reason for me to have, you know, ordered that and sent it to your place. I don't know why. But the other last thing I did is finally got my couch in the game room. Uh, We have got pictures on I think I've got them on Twitter. I don't I don't have them on Facebook, but I've got them on Twitter and Instagram. So, of course, check those out. Twitter's going to be at Game Deflators. Instagram is going to be uh, at the Game Deflators on Facebook. 
at Vagame Deflators as well. And then, of course, find us on VagameDeflators.com. And I'm not saying look at my couch. I'm saying look at the overall scene of the room. So the couch is in place. We've got uh, several shelving units. We just put in like cube units uh, behind it where now I have all my game statues. And dude, it looks pretty solid. I'm excited with it. Yeah, I know you inspired me to start making some moves around my room, but it will not be yeah, complete for, sure. for some time. And it will not ever be as impressive. <laughs> uh, well, the game deflator is making moves. So moving on to me, I have pickup this week. I got the Mario Bros. Game and Watch. Uh, I was very reluctant to do so for a while. And then I know we were talking and I was like, should I wait for that to like drop in price? And you were like, I don't think it's going to last that long. And so I was at a Target and I saw in the case they had one left. So I bought it and I absolutely love it and it's my favorite thing and I have it out of the box and I'm going to be taking it with me every day everywhere in my bag and I love the clock on it and it's the coolest thing ever and I can't wait for the Zelda one. I'm not going to wait on the yeah, Zelda I've, one. I'm going to get it right away. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, uh, I we've mean, got it's a whole cool time at the Walmart the by play me. The Playdate comes out. Like, I'm going to pre-order the Playdate at the end of the month, but that's going to take a few months to get here. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see just this play date and see like what, it, what all jazz is about, man. Like you keep talking about this thing and you're so excited to play it. So I just got to like finally hold on to this thing and be like, all right, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Or be like, eh, I could pass on it, Ryan. We'll see. It's, I mean, the thing that's going to be cool about it is that like <clears throat> as dope as this game and watch is, and it's like a color screen, like the play date is just uh, like black and white. Like there's no, it's, it's more like a, like a calculator kind of, color yeah but it's like because of the contrast like you can see it in like almost like any type of light you don't have to worry about it because it's really yeah. bold and then i mean the level of creativity that's going to be on it because like for the most part all these little systems and stuff i mean yeah you can go on you know you can get emulators on handheld stuff and and whatever but I mean, this will be something that's regularly updated with new stuff all the time. So it, it'll have like a lot of creative development for it. And everybody will be able to create their own games because of the software they're making for it. So like, I definitely would love to try to see what maybe I could put together because it seems like they've got some kind of cool system that they've developed. So yeah, I am super excited about that. I wasn't even going to talk about that, but yes played it awesome yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely excited to see you know <clears throat> i guess the creative aspects of it like you're saying and you know there's gonna be a lot of games that you can only get on that so it'll be interesting to see how it all you know how it all looks and how it all plays so this week i have been playing uh that game and watch a little bit <laughs> i just wrote uh, mario on the outline to try to fool john but yeah, uh, I, played yeah a, I, know. I played a little bit of the game and watch and i got to 99 in ball Oh, nice. Game A bad. ball. I, I Game A ball. Yeah, I, I should play some game B ball and see how high I can get. Well, I'm disappointed that you haven't played Mario Odyssey, and I'm starting to think that now that the PlayStation 2 is hooked up in my loft and we have a couch, kind of feeling some Blue's Clues next week. How about you? I'll bring my handy-dandy notebook. All right, you might want to come early, because remember, you got an hour of that bad boy. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? You know what, Ryan? That could be our inflation deflation next week. We'll do Blue's Clues. We'll let you play it. So you want to play too? And, uh, oh, I'm not playing. I'm just watching. I can watch and, and learn. And you I can review based on game. that. You, you, you can't review. Oh, game no, no, no. 
No, I, I can, you know what? In fact, I'll just kind of chime in from my experience watching you and you're more than welcome to take the full review next week. You, you got it, man. So, um, you could take the full review, your whole experience, and I'll just kind of provide my outside opinion looking in. I hope it's like a sleeper hit. Hey, you know what, dude, I'd be so pissed. Dude, people have been sleeping on Blue's Clues for, for 20 years. 20 years, man. Yeah, so or more, actually. So, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's next week. That's our inflation deflation. Blue's Clues on the PlayStation 1. We finally get Ryan to play it because... We are now in July, towards the end of July. Like and this man has in not, July. Yeah, he has not beat Mario Odyssey yet, which is by far one of the easiest games he could have picked up to play and beat. And uh, of course, Persona has not been touched. It's gathering dust. I might just need you to bring that back. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at with that. Uh, all right, anything else that you're playing? I'm guessing not. Nope. Um, still painting some Warhammer stuff. Nice. Okay, let's get into our first article this week. Uh, we're going to be talking a few things. We're talking Steam Deck, we're talking Netflix entering gaming, and then we're talking the N64 controller and why it's so damn weird uh, before we go into our inflation deflation. Uh, so the first one we've got here, uh, there's enough Steam Deck demand to take Steam Store down. And this is a Verge, as always, and it's uh, Richard Lawler. So before we kind of dig in too much on our thoughts, Steam Deck is pretty much a handheld PC in a sense uh, that is being released by Valve. I'll go over some of the you know general specs here. <clears throat> You're looking at uh, an AMD APU Zen 2 uh, processor, uh, eight RDAN or RDNA 2CU's uh, graphics card uh, with a one to 1.6 gigahertz. Uh, 16 gigs of RAM storage anywhere from 64 gigabytes to 512 gigabytes, uh, micro SD card slot, Bluetooth, dual band Wi-Fi, uh, stereo jack. It's got uh, two to eight hours of gameplay for the battery life. It's actually relatively beefy uh, from what we're seeing, 298 millimeters uh, by 49 and by 117. And then it has a weight of about 669 grams, which if my kilograms and grams to pounds measurement is correct i want to say 500 grams is around a pound 0.2 if i'm correct i can never remember that you could have just googled it i could have but i'm on the fly ryan how but many you know how many grams now. is it 500 grams it is uh 669 grams so i'm going to say about 1.3 1.10 i was close i was close okay so uh, that is what we got. It has a seven inch uh, diagonal screen and uh, 1200 by 800 pixel. I want to say the output is what? 720p is what it's supposed to be on that. Yeah, is what I read. Yeah. So interesting piece of tech, right? It was just announced like several days ago and Internet went crazy, went a buzz for it. Oh, it's a switch killer, all of this other stuff. And it's uh, you got five dollar pre-orders that you can do through Valve. I don't know if they're still up, but apparently it was absolute mayhem. Nothing like. Uh, you know, the GPU situation with uh, AMD and NVIDIA, but bad enough to where it actually took them down for a bit. Uh, so I'll throw it off to you first. What are your thoughts on this thing? So um, I was listening to all the people talk about this all week. Um, I would really recommend anybody go watch the Digital Foundry video. Um, I would say that all the time more and more because every time I watch their videos, they're so comprehensive and good. Like, I don't understand all the spec world stuff. They make it understandable a lot of the time, or at least I, I kind of get more context for what's going on from their videos, I think. And 
there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's going on here where they're partnering with um some type of like middleware thing that is like enhances the games and makes them better for um how they'll be handled and played so it's supposed to be the money that they're investing into that is going to help it so that the full steam library will be completely available and i mean when we're talking about the immensity and the you know decades of games that people would have access to instantly for no extra money like it's not like when you buy a new switch and you gotta buy a 60 dollar you know game to go with it you're just getting the thing and you've already got all the games and if it can really handle you know what it's talking about like showing like control and jedi fallen order like man that's not shabby at all i mean it's gonna be big it's gonna be heavy it's gonna have not great battery life it's like it's definitely going to be for the person that is you know has an hour or 45 minutes that they want to kill twice a day once commuting there once commuting back and like it's got to be pc games and you know it the other side of it is that you're going to be able to do all kinds of stuff like in the digital foundry when they were talking about how it's going to be like Linux based, but then it's going to be running some sort of conversion to windows. But since it's a full PC, you could just put windows on it and it might even give itself improved performance. This is going to be something that I'm not interested in. I don't want to touch this world. This is going to be really, really fun for some people, but like, I barely want to play PC games at a PC, let alone in a handheld thing where it just sounds like a lot of searching through forums for answers to problems that I don't want to deal with. And also, I don't have any games on Steam, really. Like, it would be a new investment for me. And most of the games that I would really want to play are probably, you know, have some kind of equivalent on, like, the Nintendo eShop that... I, I can just find like there's tons of stuff on on switch like you know yeah i agree with you and, and so like spec wise this thing isn't bad right i think that it's um, a cool piece of tech yeah for sure like it's not a bad piece of tech but valve has a history of not supporting things uh down the road so it kind of makes me wonder like are they going to support this thing long term i think the what is it the viva or vive um which the is Vive? like this the HTC Vive, yeah, that's like yeah. their um that's their big thing right like that's the one thing that they're super supportive with but like other prior things like you had i think it was a steam box you had the steam little doohickey that hooks up to a tv the little thin one yeah um that steam link. GameStop was selling for yeah steam link uh you've got this thing now out like how much support are they going to throw to this long term uh, because that's what would worry me, right? You buy into this thing and then like, you know what? It's not selling very well, or it's got a whole bunch of issues. We're not going to support it. And they move on. All right? My, my so worry is that the speed at which PCs evolve versus the speed at which consoles evolve, like you could buy a switch for $400 and then you could wait five years and you can buy a switch pro or a switch OLED. If you really just want the upgrade, you know, and all in all, it's probably going to be like $150 for the upgrade. But like if you spend like, you know, four to six hundred dollars on a handheld PC, like are you going to do that two years from now? Because two years from now, 
games on PC are going to be way different probably and probably way better because that's like just the speed at which they go. Yeah, I I totally How are they going to future proof it when they're trying yeah, to and... keep it at the lowest benchmark that they can? Like they were saying this thing's like half as powerful as an Xbox Series S. An Xbox Series S already hand, like has a difficult time trying to keep up with 60 frames per second and using like uh, like enhancements to to try to make it like um you know look yeah. good at the same time well and that kind of goes into my next point here is that you know nintendo pretty much has a handheld market on lockdown right like that's not going anywhere anytime soon others have tried to come in and take that away from nintendo it's not happening with the light and the switch um there's no way to give up that handheld market i don't um, think it's so, about them <clears throat> owning the handheld market i think it's about them proving to everybody that the handheld market is a place that can work and nobody else is in the game and it's like nintendo being unrivaled like that's not good for consumers and it's not good for them because that means they're leaving something on the table like steam not really having their own platform since their other platforms you know like I mean, the Vive is one thing, like we were saying, but like, I mean, they don't really have like dedicated PCs. People kind of build their own PCs and then just use Steam. So them having like a proprietary platform and going at the handheld since Sony gave up there and Microsoft doesn't really have like an interest in making their own. Because the thing is, like, you're going to be able to get Game Pass on this fucking thing for sure. So it's like now you've got a PC and you've got all of Game Pass on there but is it going to be able to keep up? It's going to be like more like game pass on Xbox one rather than Xbox series. Well, and so that, that's still kind of part of my point, right? Like PC gamers aren't going to be flocking to this. I don't think um, given that the specs are not going to be like as good as what you can build on your own PC. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, like somebody like me, right? I own a switch. I own a PS4, I own a PC, like I have everything that I could need. Now, obviously, I need a, a better GPU to what I've got, and that's an issue for a lot of people. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I just don't see a lot of people flocking to this, and I can see it, you know, being a flop. Honestly, for me, this reminds me I mean, of with the, the Game way Boy. that they were selling out, though. That's that's the issue. Like the article, it was actually about how it was like scalping, crashing the score, hundred percent scalping, dude. Yeah, but people are so going to buy them. Uh, I, I, here's the thing, man. We we don't know, right? We don't know. We don't know. Yes, they could say, "Hey, it's been crashing," and there's a lot of interest. But at the same time, look at the scalping market on a lot of these devices. These are already going for like twelve hundred bucks on eBay and showing it sold, which is highly unlikely. It's more like people are putting in, you know, shill accounts to bid things up and and purchase things without actually purchasing. I guess them. we'll so, see how it plays out. Yeah, um, but this reminds me of Game Boy versus Game Gear 2.0. Like, you got the nice thing, like the Switch. It's nice and compact. It feels good, like you like playing it. And you got this beast of a console for handheld in in the, you know, the game, or I guess in this case, the, uh, the deck. So we'll see how this all goes. But let's jump into our, our uh, next article here. And this is Netflix is trying to beat competitors by adding video games. Uh, this is Frank Paletta at CNN, actually. We ha I don't think we've ever done a CNN I was article. just thinking that when I was doing the outline yeah. earlier. I was like, oh, wow, stepping it up. So my thoughts on this is I think Netflix has a legitimate shot to actually create some noise. And I don't say this because 
you know, this the streaming market is so great, right? Because Google's already said we're not making any more games. Amazon is likely going to be on that same path pretty soon. They aren't doing so well with Luna from what I understand. And the only reason I say that Netflix has a better shot is because they're already on your TV, right? Not a whole lot. Of, there's Prime subscribers, right? But not a whole lot of people are sitting there watching Prime for, you know, the videos and music and stuff, right? A lot of people use Prime primarily for the fact that they can go ahead and get free shipping, which is going to be more parents and family, you know, families that are utilizing it for that. Netflix is where it's at for subscribers and the base of consumers that likely are going to be playing video games, I feel. But the thing is, Netflix doesn't have a way to connect to you. Like, you interface with it through like your television remote or a console yeah. or something already. Like they need to be able to put a controller in your hands and connect that controller to anything. What what would be so hard about sending everybody, every subscriber to ask for a controller? Well, I like mean, Google that's did. that's basically what they did with Stadia. Like they just sent they sent that out to everybody, but it's like they already were making Chromecast. So they just paired that with a controller, but Netflix doesn't have anything in place for any type of manufacturing. Like they have to establish all of those manufacturing chains to build control just to do this one thing. With Google out of the picture from a streaming perspective, who's to say they wouldn't partner with Google on something like this, but Stadia is still going. I mean, but they're still using it as a service platform. Yeah, but how long is that going to last? And, you know, like and I, they're going to just go to Google, or like they're going to try to sell out to Google. Because I, I mean, I don't know what knows? kind of stuff Google would buy. I don't know if they would buy Netflix or if it would even be for sale. Really, this is no Netflix wouldn't be for sale on that. However, consider this though: like from an interface perspective, like there's already movies on there, like interactive movies that you use the control to do things. Yeah, right? like that's your TV not control. a game. I, I, I know. But what I'm saying is that the capability is there. The other thing to consider here is that they do have a ton of subscribers and they've already stated that they would include all of these games for free within the subscription. So you don't have to pay any additional funds of access to these games, at least yet. Of course, if it becomes successful, then they'll go ahead and, you know, have a subscription base and everything else specifically for games like a lot of companies do. All I'm saying is that, well, I personally would prefer Netflix doesn't enter because I, you know, there already is a good bit of competition. I feel it fragments a little bit too much. And then we may not get, um, I don't know. I just don't feel like more competition is what the gaming market needs, right? I think everybody wants a piece of a pie and it's just going to drive a lot of it down, I feel. Um, however, what I am saying is that I can see them being successful in this market because of an established subscriber base that they already have, because of an audience they already target. And you know, all it is is really just kind of getting a controller in your hands and throwing games on their streaming network right if they could just get it situated to where you can play the games via controller if controller is the only issue here dude netflix has a pretty decent shot okay so the thing that stands out to me about this is the first thing that comes to my mind is like when you go to a hotel and they've got like an like you could play like an N64 game somehow, like the controller's just like hooked up to the TV and dude, you're you talking go, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what this reminds me of. And I feel like it's just like everybody thinks that they can do this. Like, dude, Google thought that they could do just do this. 
and they couldn't just do it. So I think that that's the issue here. Like, yeah, Netflix isn't going to be able to just step up and just do this like it's nothing. Like, And I know. Yeah, I totally know that. But here's the thing. Like, if there's any company that can do and it, if they're I not going to raise the price, how are they going to profit from it? Uh, more subscribers because they're what they're doing here is utilizing the gaming as a way to get additional people. You, so onto you think their that service. there's people that want to stream games that don't already have a Netflix account? Who are these people? Who are these people that want to stream games and don't already have a Netflix account? I feel like well, uh, that Venn diagram is pretty pretty much all probably, middle. Yeah, we'll see. Like they're they're struggling from what I read uh, in this article with Man, like I just boosting wish their subscriber I had base. Access to more Ubisoft titles. And <laughs> well, that's and I also like because... movies, but I have no idea where to find those either. Well, just keep in mind that Ubisoft has its own service, I think. Uh, but that being said, though, uh, what I can see happening is say they don't grow to subscriber base, right? But they include these games on here and they see a lot of success through their analytics showing, hey, people are actively using this. At that point, they'd probably say, hey, trial runs over. Want to keep playing games for $2 extra a month? Think about their established subscriber base. And if they can base it off analytics and a good price point, they would drive additional revenue without actually having to do any crazy marketing other than, hey, we now have games. So we'll see. But I can, if anyone can do this and bring in games into the market, uh, it was Google. And no, it was not Google. Yeah, it, it, is it, definitely was, it was Google or it was Bezos. And if Google and Bezos couldn't do it, those chumps over at Netflix, man, just help help people get laid. That's that's all you need to do. Even, You're not going to help anybody get laid. Nobody's going to Netflix and chill to Assassin's Creed. Hey, they might. I don't even know why Google would have even tried to begin with, because at the end of the day, yes, Google is in there for like Google Play and like in your house for, hold for Google TV and such. But a lot of people recognize Google for a search engine, right? Nobody kind of thinks oh, Google is streaming service. Like, I don't even know why that was a thing to begin with. Amazon, Amazon, yes, they have Prime and that's a growing base for Prime. But even at the same time, like they're now just starting to kind of get into the mode of like, hey, you can use Amazon Prime for videos, but they've always been known for shipping and products. Like it's never been this idea of, oh, well, they can do games. Netflix, I think can jump in as like, hey, we do games as well. Now, the, the whole thing of like Netflix is a weird name to kind of have Netflix for movies and then you have games game but game flicks I, there you go i mean i think that there are if anybody can do it i think it's netflix and we will see if this actually turns in anything down the road no we'll see i think ryan's wrong you let us know on social media if ryan's wrong <clears throat> hashtag, hashtag ryan's wrong, wrong. <laughs> all right the uh the next thing we have here is the uh, n64 controller design was so weird and uh, this is matthew bird at den of geek and uh, sorry, let me drink some water here. But uh, did you see this article um, when I posted it up? So, yeah, I I was looking over this and I like how they do the outline to show you like, hey, this is what the two different controllers that they Frankenstein together look like. And when you look at it in that way, it looks and makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Um and you know they just at that time i guess they just didn't feel like you could do two things with your left hand and your right hand um 
and that would have i mean had they done that to begin with like they would have just set the world on fire like right off the bat like it would have changed everything i'm sure well, I mean, it definitely changed gaming uh, regardless in controller styles, I think. So part of it is two things, right? <clears throat> the first one is this game controller and Mario 64 were kind of designed for each other is what uh, was stated, right, by Miyamoto. And so basically saying, hey, we wanted to incorporate this joystick into this controller. And while designing Mario 64, we wanted it to function in such a way. So it only made sense to create a controller like this. Uh, I think it was also flexibility tied into it, right? So if you wanted to play older games that required just a D-pad and your A and B, you had the flexibility to do that, or you had the flexibility like in comfort as well, because it was comfortable playing with the D-pad on N64 control, where the lack of comfort comes in is just, you know, obviously the actual uh, joystick and trying to hold that and hit the Z. It, it makes sense, um, you know, for some games, but there's other games like Kirby, for example, on the 64. I want to say just use the D-pad. I don't believe it. I love the Kirby joystick. 64. Yeah. So there's some games that actually didn't even use Crystal a joystick. Shards, right? Uh, I think it was Crystal Shards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so something to consider here is, uh, you know, you and I just played Gex on the Brawler 64 controller, which is laid out like, you know, kind of what we're thinking, right? Joystick on the left. Nothing there in Z buttons on the top on the shoulder uh, below, you know, the standard L and R. So having played both now, both because I had literally just beat Conkers with the regular uh, controller. And then now I'm, you know, playing Gex with the brawler. It, I don't know, man, I'm kind of conflicted with it. Like I, it feels right on the N64 controller, but I think part of that's because it's all I've ever known. But the brawler was super comfortable as well. Um, and so god man like it's just the design is just so flipping weird like it really is on the 64 um i think it's just one of those things that it's like people can be mouse and keep keypad people or people can be you know like fight stick people i i think it's just one of those things you get used to like um i thought the brawler controller was awesome um, and actually I, I missed something. Can I just take a pause on this topic and rewind real quick? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, anybody who reads this verge article on the steam deck, I, I wanted to talk about this and I didn't bring it up. The first picture is the steam deck sitting there on a table and two dudes with huge fucking fight sticks playing some game. I can't even tell what it is by looking at it it might be like guilty gear or something i'm I'm not really sure that would never happen nobody's gonna bring two big fight sticks and then play on your seven inch screen that's that's dumb that's a bad picture <laughs> whoever put that picture there that was a bad decision <laughs> moving oh on God, back to so... the the controller yeah. for the n64 uh i i think that you know I didn't play as many N64 games, but I always liked the N64 controller. I always liked the GameCube controller. Like, I like all of Nintendo's controllers. I've never had a problem with any Nintendo controller ever, honestly. And I like that they change it up. I mean, I love that, you know, the PlayStation controller was, like, basically the same forever. And I'm excited to, like, really get my hands on and play with a DualShock 5, but, like, you know, it's cool that even today they're making new controllers for old consoles, too. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and that's what the Brawler is. And if you haven't picked one up, definitely pick it up. I think it's pretty comfortable. It, it is kind of missing that nostalgic feel of the N64 controller. Uh, but, you know, as this article states, like, yes, it was a weird controller, but there was purpose behind the build of the N64 controller. And as much as I hate it and think it's the worst uh, Nintendo controller of all time, uh, it does kind of fit its purpose in terms of uh, what it meant historically for Nintendo. Uh, also, uh, the flexibility, as I noted, with the ability to switch between D-pad or uh, utilizing a joystick and the A and B. So I, I can totally see purpose. And, uh, you know, we should probably include an image on our Facebook of that, like Frankenstein kind of outline so people can kind of see a little bit of what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's um, it's <clears throat> it's like when somebody like breaks down like art and you see like oh okay i see like the areas yeah. here and how they relate okay cool yeah exactly so i think it's interesting you know the overall concept and and reason behind it i still hate it but uh yeah it's still pretty pretty cool to kind of look back at that i love when you uh, see last... like developers talk about like their controller and they're like we made like 85 different controllers and then you see a table and it's like they all look the same but yeah. i guess they're different he was like, yeah, yeah this is sense. the one we went with. And it's like, how, how, how'd you decide that? <laughs> like, I've always just taken it as, yeah, this feels pretty good. I guess, I guess there's a lot going into that. I think Nintendo just behind the scenes laid out a ton of N64 controllers and were like, what is the most gimmicky thing we can put into the market that people will be like, yeah, that's awesome. N64. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how they are, man. Gimmicky, gimmicky, gimmicky. But people love it. So, you know, why not? uh okay uh we've got about seven minutes here to crunch this i think with you uh gex 64 enter the gecko was our inflation deflation this week uh crystal dynamics was a developer published by midway games designed by evan wells and bruce straley and it was released on the n64 in august of 1998 it is a 3d platformer reception uh back then was about a 4.7 to uh like 4.7 out of 10 to an 82% roughly those types of scores definitely all over the place but when you kind of look at it more so the PlayStation version at that point in time which obviously wasn't Gex 64 but Enter the Gecko uh, had higher reviews where the N64 just wasn't rated as well um, so that being said Ryan uh, and all of those listening I actually pulled the stats this week which is why they are correct and I didn't have any whammies just pointing that out <laughs> Uh, but what are your thoughts on Gex 64? Uh, I think that Gex 64 was super fun. And I think it was really freaking bold to like open up with the Halloween level. Yeah, dude. Like of all like in uh, an anybody August, who right? doesn't like... know Gex, little background, Gex, he's a gecko. And his thing is that he goes into like, tvs and and goes to like different stylized media levels is how they're broken down so instead of like a snow level you've got like a haunted level that's got everything from like jason references to like rip taylor's well, halloween movies. party is a reference yeah. well yeah and then like you have the toon world which is pretty much like uh, Wiley Coyote yeah, and uh, the Roadrunner. There's like a Swiss Swiss Family Robinson type of thing, like some sort of shipwreck type level. Like it's interesting. Like when you get into these levels, you're like, oh, I understand that reference. Like you know, it's from it's X. super like, nostalgic. When, These games would yeah. probably be totally lost on like a newer generation, just because like when these game when these games were coming out, like when we were kids, like 
it was referencing stuff that was already like 20, 30 years old. Like when is, when was Bugs Bunny from like the sixties or something? I don't know, man. I don't pay attention to Bugs Bunny, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like today's generation, you know, unless well, space jam kind of came out, right. So Bugs Bunny's kind of a relevant thing right now, but yeah, like you had the Elmer Fudd component of that. And it was like, a knockoff Elmer Fudd chasing you as you're dressed like a rabbit in his part of the world for that particular area. Mm -hmm. That was pretty interesting. So there were a lot of like funny references like that. And, you know, the one cool thing about this game is just, it kind of reminds you of like a Mario 64 where you have to continually go back in the level and pick up certain things. Uh, So you have like the three red dots or lights that kind of are per level. And it, it gives you the objectives beforehand, right? Like survive the level, collect X, uh, in that case, it was like blood fountains or something like that for the Halloween. And then there was one other item that you had to get for that level in particular. And you just go through and you complete that objective like you would in, you know, a Mario Odyssey, Mario 64 type of game, or I guess a Mario Sunshine. And um, yeah, I thought it was uh, definitely interesting, definitely a different take. And while it still had that Mario 64 vibe, um, you know, I just... I don't know. I just, I don't feel like I could get into it as much. Like the references were there and they were really cool, but the gameplay just, it wasn't as good as like a Mario. Well, and the thing is like, I think it just has to do with maybe the containedness, like Mario, Mario's first level, you know, Bomba battlefield, like, or and even like the hub world like they're just so much more open as opposed to like you're immediately put into like all right here's like some pretty tight areas like i mean there's some rooms that are like large and stuff but for the most part there's not like a lot of exploring you're just kind of going linearly through you know the inside of like a big mansion type level like well, I think the, the openness other... of Mario made it feel like, oh my god, like I'm in the third dimension, man. Like I could go anywhere. Well, and yeah, I, I, you're definitely right on that. Like in Mario Sunshine, for example, and, and even Mario 64. Mario 64 a little bit less, but I mean it was on the 64, right? But something like Mario Sunshine, you had like this, and I hate to compare to an N64 game, but you got this open world type of feeling to begin with with the plaza. And then you enter into a whole other world and are able to experience those other worlds. So there is that, like you said, that openness and exploration aspect tied to, you know, the game itself and 64 to an extent, right? You know, as well, right? You've got this whole big castle and the castle grounds and underneath and all these other places. And then you're able to go into the different levels and complete those levels while they're not as large per se as like an odyssey or uh, a sunshine i still feel that there's a little more depth to them than something like gex and not to say that gex is terrible because it's actually a decent game um it's just not the same you know it kind of misses in a sense in a world where you had mario 64s and such this kind of misses yeah um well brass tacks really quick and uh because i know you've got to go here in a moment uh complete in box this is running you 54 47 right now that is a peak at this point in time it is trending up actually it's like really high up in comparison to where it used to be uh a loose copy right now running you 1625 that peaked at 1650 uh just several months ago um so the reason i'm not giving the dates is because like literally these peaks are right now mm-hmm. um 
and then trending up on that as well. Uh, the most expensive version is the N64 version, of course, with the cheapest version being the Game Boy Color at a uh, $4.31 price point loose. Uh, and of course, you're not getting the same experience, right? But I think if you were going to do a crazy comparison between two of them, I'd say comparing to the PlayStation 1. And apparently the PlayStation 1 reviews better. It's a cheaper option uh, to an extent. And uh, as far as completing box is concerned. PlayStation 1 and, is where I played Gex when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't play Gex on there. Um, in fact, I didn't even play on the N64. I played it on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> uh, so I had a totally different experience uh, compared to this. But at the end of the day, man, I mean, I look at where N64 games are. I look at a game like this at 1625. Uh, it is at its highest point. I would say that's primarily because where the market is right now. Um, you know, at 1625, I would say it's just right though. I feel that to be honest with you, you know, it's, I don't think it's a $20 game right now. It likely will get to $20 just based on how things are, but say it was, you know, a year and a half ago and it was at like a $10 price point, whatever it may be. I think that would have been actually deflated at that point in time. I probably would have said $15 uh, back then. So I'd say this is just right for sure. Yeah, it's. It's definitely, um, you know, of an era and I dig all the kinds of things it does. It is a nostalgic type of game for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I would, I would say like any, anywhere up to like 20 bucks would be fine for this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't go that high personally. Um, I would stick at 16 to 16.25. Well, $16, obviously. And if you can get any cheaper than that, obviously get it. Uh, I think it's worth having in the collection. I think it's worth playing with a friend, kind of sitting back. It does have some fun references. It controls pretty well. Um, the enemy, it's not too difficult of a game. The music's actually pretty good. Well, and I mean, at sixteen twenty-five, like if you were a collector, this is definitely one of those ones that it's like, pick it up. You know, yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not um, going to get cheaper, you know, anytime mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you look at reviews like 4.7 to 10, we've reviewed far worse games in terms of, uh, you know, review wise. Right. So we've reviewed games that say it's six, seven, you know, out of 10. And we're just like, this is terrible. Uh, This actually felt it wasn't Mario 64. But if you didn't have Mario 64 uh, in your hands or knew about it, Gex 64 would probably get that itch that you're looking for, I think. So, all right, man. Well, uh, that's a wrap on episode 140. I can't believe we're on episode 140, by the way. 150 right around uh, the corner. Right. It's kind of insane. Uh, also, by the way, I didn't, don't think I told you, but I started updating our YouTube I again. Saw so that. I was like, wow, these yeah. are old. Yeah, right. So my wife was listening to the podcast and she only listens on YouTube for whatever reason. And uh, she's like checking that. Like, I keep telling her to listen on the podcast application. She's like, no, no, I'm just going to listen on YouTube. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, well, I skipped from episode uh, 35 to 70. I'm like, what? I'm like, all right, I just got to upload all of these now. And then I found that Podbean allows me to uh, to go ahead and like download the actual video and just upload it. So super, super easy to get that done. And I've already got all the thumbnails, so it'll be pretty quick. So I'm hoping to have hopefully in the next several weeks, have our YouTube up to date and then continually update that on a week to week basis. So we'll see but that being said uh go check us out on social media at the game deflators on instagram facebook at game deflators on twitter find us on thegamedeflators.com. leave a five-star review too if you can uh not two stars but two five-star reviews uh 
And uh, we will see you next week. Uh, Blues Clues for Ryan. Uh, that'll be coming down the pipe. And um, yeah, this has been episode 140 of the Game Flitters podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.